Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomast. We've got the, the whole crew back in the house after a long holiday season. We're all glad to be back here. So, a bunch of topics to talk about. Let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, um, I am Soraya Zell. Um, I am a co-host here on the show. Um, we have I have another show. It's called uh, The Pokey and Zell Show. Uh, it's back on hiatus, <laughs> though, this week. Um, so, we're, we're back to the regular scheduled programming. We only do two a year. All right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, I'm Jay. I'm also one of the uh, one of the absent co-hosts for the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's kind of good to be back and actually kind of kickstarting the year a little bit. Um, only thing I got for 189, so I know a lot of 1-89s, but in terms of a 189, I think the only thing I can come up with is uh, there used there was a hmm, it's like the, there's an SS 189. I know it's a submarine, but I can't remember the name of it. It's uh, I want to say it's like the USS Sauron, believe it. No, sorry, sorry. Uh, it's like S U S U R Y. It's a uh, it's an old uh, uh, I think Sargo submarine. Very cool. All right, shivering Florida man, what's up? Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Bait, uh, and yeah, that's me. And you said how cold is it in Florida right now? Uh, it was twenty nine last week. It's forty six right now. What part of Florida are you in? Uh, Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah, he's about three hours north or south of me. That's pretty chilly for that region. I mean, it's not as cold as some other areas, but for Florida, that's cold. Yes, uh, so cold, in fact, that they were saying that we were going to get snow. And, uh, of course, we didn't, but everybody else along the entire East Coast got snow. So, yeah. So is everyone driving like an idiot with icy roads there? or No. Oh, oh my God. I think so. <laughs> oh, yes. <Not> much. <laughs> like where I'm at? Yes. <laughs> It's like that in Arizona, like it rains and they have no idea what they are skidding off the road. I'm like, okay, it happens like three times a year, guys, but like, you should be able to figure this out. Don't drive 80 when it's raining or it's icy. Like, come on. No, I've figured out that, you know, there's, there's a very small percentage population where I'm at in coastal. I'm, I'm basically in Savannah, Georgia, that there's a very small, small percentage of people that have ever seen snow. Number one is a surprisingly small number you probably about 30%. And then there's an even smaller number that's ever action, the action is how to drive in it. So I was afraid for my life. And it had nothing to do with me being able to drive. It's all the other people that didn't know how to drive. Oh my God, the same. Well, I'm glad you guys are at least safe from crazy drivers who don't know how to. Okay, so let's start this off with the one we've been putting off for a while. Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last. You've all had a chance to see it now. I really hope. If not, skip like a half yeah, of the show. Too late. Yeah, we're going for it. Yeah, like... If you're a fan who cares about spoilers, you waited too long. I have I have no sympathy at this point. So um, obligatory uh, disclaimer, this is all the spoilers the whole time. So let's just start off with a kind of a general general open thoughts. Let's start at the top of Lizelle. Did you like the film? What are your, your I, feelings I, on I it? I did like the film. Um, I said it before. I felt it was kind of slow, but um, I, I enjoyed it. What about you, Jay? Not that you've gotten to it. Um... It, I have mixed emotions about it. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say generally I thought it was uh, very good for a lot of unusual reasons that I wouldn't say I would normally say that for a Star Wars movie. So generally I thought it was, it was quite good. Uh, a very different kind of Star Wars movie as we're going to discuss. And I think Zell's on point with that. I'm, I, there was a couple parts that did drag like kind of in the second act. Uh, because there's a whole lot of stuff going on in that movie, and it was it was like two and a half hours. That was that was a long Star Wars movie. Um, so I I I think it borders on like Zell said, kind of dragging a little bit. Okay, 
and bait would. It was a good science fiction movie, I think. It was not a good Star Wars film. Now, what makes you say that? Because I, I, there's a, this is a very de- divisive. People are definitely on one side of the fence or the other. So why did? Because I, I felt like there were there were large chunks of the movie that were unnecessary. Uh, Rose, I'm looking at you. Um, and that whole that whole side quest of what amounted to Monaco uh, in space. Um, I, I didn't feel like that was necessary. Um, you probably could have done that a different way um, or have not made it take up so much time. Um, uh, what else? Some of the... Um, the, the the part where uh, the big thing, um, the couple of big things I think from the movie were that uh, Leia died and came back for some reason. Um, so the part when she gets they get blown out of the uh, the Moncal cruiser and she's floating in space and then it cuts away and then it cuts back to her and you're like oh my god she's dead and then her eyes back op- open back up and she like force pulls herself back to the to the whatever. Uh, that that I, I didn't see the, the need for that. Like, why so bring I, her back? I just want to be clear. So, these are the things that, that make you feel like it's not a Star Wars movie, or these are just things you didn't like in the movie. It's just things that I I, I didn't like. Um, so, what were the things that like you you were like, hey, this doesn't feel like a Star Wars flick to me? I don't know. Just the way that it was that it it worked. I guess the way that it it jumped around almost. I don't I don't remember. The original trilogy, which is now called Legacy, by the way, um, being so so jumpy, and I don't remember the decisions of the characters, and, and maybe this is just a writing thing. And it's I, not exclusive I to Star actually, Wars. I guess I will actually say that I looked at uh, how the first Star Wars movie. There's a, a great YouTube clip called "How Star Wars Was Saved in the Edit" that explains how a bunch of the scenes were rearranged to fix it, and how actually the a big part of the entire dramatic ending of the movie was completely fabricated without film uh, without filming anything new they they reworked the whole plot in editing um but they actually bounced back and forth between the um like the droids and the rebels and then the the kind of imperial scenes they basically bounced back and forth throughout the whole movie so really yeah there there is some of that but um that this movie was definitely it felt like three very separate storylines for a while yeah, yeah the, the closest I, I can come up was probably, believe it or not, as it was actually an empire when you had Luke going one way and then Han and Leia and the gang going another. And that, but but I don't remember. There was th- at one point you're right. There's three distinct sort of plot lines going at at once uh, on this. I don't I don't I don't think even in the prequels they did that. I almost feel like they had Finn crap, and they kind of made this weird side arc that felt unnecessary just so he was doing something rather than the ship, and that's what it did. But it took up so much of the film, you're just oh, okay, I guess. Like they, they had a or... lot of characters <laughs> to get something in on. Well, yeah, and, and like, he was uh... supposed to, or no, for wait, you were talking about Finn or Poe? Either one, Finn. actually. <laughs> Finn. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, like Finn going to the to the the casino planet or whatever. It was just like, what's the point of this? Like, I understand plot wise why he's there, but it just seems like from a writing I mean, perspective, it's just there to have him do something. If anything, I felt like his his was more central to the story, if only because I see Finn and, and Ray as kind of like the two central characters here um, of this trilogy in theory. Um, but like. Poe Dameron's felt really stitched on. 
to me. I mean, you say that Finn's meant to be kind of the main character, but he didn't feel like it in this one. He felt like he was an add-on that they just mm. kind of wrote an arc for and just went and did it, and that was it. There wasn't anything to it. I don't know. I didn't care for that part of it. Yeah, I, I think I think this one just, uh, you know, to say it suffered is, uh, it, it may be accurate or not, it's kind of a point of opinion, but there was a lot going on in this movie. I, th- I think just for the discussion, we can kind of like, we can kind of break it down structurally. Like the first, the first component of the movie was, you know, effectively you've got two very separate plot lines, which is, you know, kind of not that far out, you know, in terms of how other star Wars movies have worked. You've got the resistance Leia Poe at all in the space fleet. And that basically, you know, OJ Simpson esque low speed chase across space. Um, and then you've got Ray during the Jedi training. So th- there's those two lines. I totally agree. The whole Canto Bright thing, I, I had all kind of issues with that part. Um, but those were the kind of the big chunks. And and if you kind of take it down, like I, I think we should maybe maybe go chronologically. Like first first component of the movie, uh, the initial space battle was absolutely great. I thought that was like one of the better ones I've seen in Star Wars in a while. You showed me some different stuff that I hadn't seen before. The big bomber attack, this, that, and the other. And you you get to see that was like your very first footstep in the like kind of the tone of the movie is that, you know, failure happens. And uh and you know, there was some really cool like little small things they did in this movie. Uh, not the least like to be honest with you, I thought like it was like a half of a second, but when Poe comes screaming across the the ship. He's taking out the guns, and he does that basically drift move with the uh, the little X wing. Never saw that before with an X wing. I thought that was badass. That was almost a little bit of like new wave Battlestar Galactic-y, yep. but it was, was really thinking. cool. I I was like, that was pretty pretty badass. He had a a really I thought of a pretty funny exchange with Hux in the end when he's kind of you know screwing with Hux a little bit. It went on about a beat too long though. He could have had like just. A little bit less of that and it would have been spot on but i was like okay this feels like a little bit different kind of a movie and uh you know that that has and then cut to the ray scene when like you know the big moment that for two years fanboys have been speculating about when she hands him the lightsaber and he just like looks at it and throws it over his shoulder you're like i at that moment i knew it was like i don't know what's gonna happen in the rest of this movie but it's probably not what i thought <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. I kind of liked that part, but the people I went and saw the film with thought it was stupid. So, I, I I would have I would have preferred they handled the throwing the lightsaber slightly differently. Maybe not like the shrugging his shoulders and just flipping it over. I mean, you know, like it's a an SNL sketch almost. You know, something where he just like a, a slightly different tone. But uh, I can absolutely see why Mark Hamill commented that he disagreed with every Luke Skywalker character choice that Ryan Johnson made. Now, let me be clear. I think that this, this was a pretty solid movie. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but there are some, you know, uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, that middle, you know, I think we're all kind of touching on that middle act. We got, I got some issues I want to talk about, about that one, but generally this movie was pretty good. And I will tell you, I I don't know if, I don't know if I liked or didn't like a lot of the, the plot twist, but the, the things that you thought were going to happen that just didn't, I don't, I, I don't know if I did. I liked them or didn't like them, but I liked that they made the movie different. I think the, this kind of weird, um, I don't know how to describe it, but like humor, I guess the, the, the humor was a little bit off for me. I felt like it didn't really, it didn't belong in some of the places that they presented it like that, that exchange 
um with with Hux. Um I, I kind of got this weird like feel that Star Wars was bleeding over into reality, if that makes sense. So using like terms that we're familiar with or concepts that we're familiar with, um uh, like static uh he did that thing where he's like oh no i can't hear you static blah 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 that was a little bit weird um i thought but maybe that's just personal preference but the, those little things like that throughout the movie i didn't really sit well with me for whatever reason and again it could be personal or whatever I'm, i know some people like thought that was fucking hilarious but it was it was whatever for me i guess so I, I guess I mean, what, how do you think? What do you? And this is absolutely showing like how this how this show normally unfolds. By the way, so in terms of how you guys want to just talk about the movie, do you want to kind of talk about different plot line arc or kind of you know, by length? I mean, because there's there's a lot going on in this movie. We could just kind of talk all around it. I didn't know if, like how you guys wanted to just kind of structure the conversation. I think we should work through a kind of chronological point by okay. point. Is the problem. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most structured. And what do you guys think about that opening space battle? I mean, just you know, that, that seven or eight minutes I thought was pretty solid. Hey, can we not have a super ship that has the same fucking weakness as everything else in Star Wars? Yeah, I'm down. Oh my god! (laughs) Wait a minute, what what are you talking about? Like, I I, there was the big fucking hole that you put the bombs in on the Death Star and on the Star Killer base and on the. No, um, no, no, they didn't. No, that was pretty. They just needed a bomber to go fly over. That's basically just anywhere over the top of the ship and start dropping bombs on the thing. That I don't. I didn't. I didn't get the. uh, You know, like. You know, Death Star. You know, bullseye. You missed the whole part thing. where he dropped it into the into the fucking hole in the top middle of the ship that but blew up no, the whole damn thing. No trench yep. run, so it doesn't count. Yeah, no, no. Was, man, there was just, to a trench run. Fuck off. It, later in the movie, but the there, uh, I, I I just I didn't take it that way. I guess I just thought that was like they just need to get more or less center mass and just start dropping bombs on the ship. So aren't they in space at this point? By the way, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, why do they have to be above the ship so that the the bombs over, go downward for visuals? They're no. not. <laughs> it's, they're not it's close. Mi- it's, it's microgravity. No, no microgravity. They would they would float gently away. Not not. Okay, they're magnetic then. What but then they don't need to be right over it. Zell, space magic. All right, space trust just, me. They fight with laser swords, dude. You just go with it. But no, I, th- I think that 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 scene was a good way to kind of start off the film with the bang, you know, it was mm-hmm. a big epic space battle. It was, I rather like, yeah. So I, so long story short here, the, the, the resistance fleet is effectively being tracked through hyper hyperspace, which up to this point in all of the movie and the, in all of the movies and the shows and stuff, that was kind of an impossible thing. That was always your get out of jail free card was hit, you know, hop to hyperspace or, you know, light speed or whatever. And, um, and then you could, you could kind of get away. Well, they've developed, this technology now where you can track them. And then that's basically what they were doing. They were running them down. And so the, the big gambit was, uh, Hey, well, let's just max out our like normal engines because we're faster than them and we'll stay out of the range of their guns or right at the edge of their guns. Uh, and that'll buy us some time, uh, which, which kind of made sense. And I actually had to think about that for a little bit. I was like, did, did anybody ever track anybody through hyperspace? The only person that did was Boba Fett, but he put a, tracking device on the ship right so i was actually thinking that oh there's got to be like a spy or some like covert ops guy on the resistance Mm -hmm. ship or uh, yeah that that was my thought for a fairly lengthy time in the movie that there was somebody you know feeding the the the, uh the first order coordinates but so that's basically the oj simpson low speed chase going on concurrent to that you've got ray in her introduction to uh you know grumpy luke uh for lack of better term uh 
I have, I, I kind of understand why they did what they did with that character, but, and I personally think Mark Hamill was phenomenal in the movie. I think that was a, he did a great job throughout that entire movie. Um, uh, you know, him, him and, um, got Adam driver specifically, you know, AKA Kylo Ren. I thought their performances were outstanding throughout the movie, but they made some character choices with him that, that now that I've seen them, I'm like, I would, I think they could have achieved a lot of the same effect and not quite have, I I don't think Ryan Johnson was giving a middle finger to everybody that's grown up with star Wars for the last 45 years, but it, it could certainly be perceived that way. And I think that's what the internet has has proven out. <laughs> Going back real quick to the to the tracking through the hyperspace thing, in Rogue One, when they were scrolling through the Death Star plans looking for him, right there at the end, uh, wasn't one of the plans that they, like, skipped over? Because one of them was a Darksaber, if I'm not mistaken, right? And it wasn't the other one of the other ones, like, the, the, the like, technology to track through hyperspace? Yeah, it, it, was, it was. I didn't realize that until after the movie oh, when I started cool. kind of doing my research. But, yeah, it was, that was an Easter egg in, in uh, Rogue One. When they said that in, in 8, that was like, oh, my God, that's... That's fantastic. That is, is it's a great tie-in to Rogue One. Loved that, it. That's actually pretty cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, d- curious. What I mean, we'll talk about kind of the dynamics on the on the Resistance ship here in a second. But like, what did you guys think about sort of the uh, those initial, you know, that that kind of exchange, you know, the exchanges between Luke and Ray in that kind of first first act of the movie? So this is kind of part of an overarching theme where I think it's like they change things to make it surprising it's unexpected but it also kind of betrays some of would have expected i kind of commented on this when we first saw the film that it was like surprises are good but it also felt almost out of character or out of what you reasonably expect so you know luke's the way he behaves is just i can kind of see it It wasn't totally unrealistic and it was kind of a huh, he's, he's kind of being a quirky old guy but at the same time it was like but is that really luke skywalker i don't know it felt a little weird in some Nah, dude, Luke Skywalker isn't a bitch. This guy was a bitch. I, I would have, I would have liked to have seen him. Kind of, if you imagine, like you know, somewhere around like Ben Kenobi, but instead of, but like a Ben Ben Kenobi that would say no to to the R two D two hologram. You, you know, like he's like I am. He's like I'm resolute that I am not doing this. But at no point could I figure out why he was just such an asshole. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that's that was the part that lo- I could totally see the whole I'm done with this I've cut myself off from the force I can't help you I wish there was something that could but I can't I could I am absolutely all on board with that you know the, the whole I need to live by myself thing but like I could never see it in Luke's personality or character to simply just be a dick for no reason at, at no point could I see that you know and and that was the part that kind of you, you know I was like what but. It was some interesting things happen. We get introduced to porgs and all that stuff, which actually, for the for the record, were not nearly as invasive or ridiculous as I as I thought they were going to be. I think they, they they did a good lesson on that one. It's just they're just basically background scenery, and there's like you know there's one or the two. The cherry scene was yeah, great. Which yeah, with a little porgs? porgs looking at him like, and I'm like, is that his mom? What is <laughs> right? <laughs> that part was big. Which ones are the porgs? Are they the, the little, little rats or are they the, the little, little nuns? 
No, the, the yeah, I don't remember what the nuns are called, but the, uh, I, I thought that was absolutely hilarious when he was, he was trying to eat that thing and they're just giving him the puppy eyes. <laughs> He's like, I can't eat it now. He just puts it down like screw it, I'm going to bed. <laughs> that was a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. But it, it's, you know, so it, I, I think they drug out a little bit of the, um, you know, why isn't Luke helping him out for a while? But I, in a weird way, even though it kind of did drag out, once you start getting into the... Uh, kind of forced FaceTime or forced times, if you will, you know, <laughs> the forced cool. times between Kale, uh, Kylo and um, and Mary Sue there. It was th- that was actually pretty good. I, I thought that was a really good mechanism that they were using. They've kind of established that they could do that a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, well, oh. in, the, in the last movie, there was it was that kind of forced connection they had when they were seeing through each other's others minds and stuff like that and even oh. kylo they, i will say this ryan johnson hell of a filmmaker i enjoyed looper a lot that's why i was very keen to see this one everything that happened in the in the like the last act of this movie clearly was foreshadowed and connected real well in the beginning when that was that one moment where kylo was like how are you doing this you can't be doing this this would tear you apart well well she wasn't doing it somebody else was but it was i i, I thought those scenes were really really good uh, kind of the, the little force time connections between those two mm-hmm. that kind of led up to explaining a little bit about uh, why Skywalker is where he is. I did think that the device of using two very different perspectives of that kind of critical uh, trigger moment where you know Luke's going to kill Kylo. When you see it from Kylo's eyes, you see a very di- a different a visually different Luke Skywalker than what you see from Luke's eyes. Um, so you can kind of clearly see how like that moment, you know, was perceived by two different people and it went off the same way. And it was kind of, it was kind of made clear throughout the rest of the movie or later in the movie that um, what Luke was seeing in the dark future, which what he became to realize was his actions by, you know, scaring, you know, Ben Solo like that pushed him down to the dark future that he was seeing in his mind. And that's why he was going to kill him. Uh, so it's, it's, you can see why he, he kind of made his choices, but I thought that device of using that same scene in kind of different, d- different ways was good. I did catch the, uh, you guys did catch the, you more or less said who the Knights of Ren are. It's the other Jedi students that left with Kylo, uh, yeah. which we did not right. see in this movie, which uh, I was disappointed by. Well, I don't know. It, here's what it makes me wonder, though. You know that scene back in the the Maz Kanata castle where she grabs the lightsaber and has all the flashbacks and shit. In that, the scene, yeah, yeah, the scene, yeah. Uh, the scene in the rain where she's like surrounded by the the Knights of Ren. It makes me wonder if that's actually oh, in Episode Nine. In Nine, yeah, I didn't think about that. Like she's, she, you know, like it doesn't make, you know, it doesn't make, it didn't make sense then, and it really didn't in the second one. And the more I got to think, it was like, I wonder if there's going to be some big confrontation scene in, you know, in the, in the next movie that'll, that'll have that, which would be pretty cool if they did. Mm-hmm. You know, since they killed off their one good bad guy, you got to have somebody. So I, I don't know. I, that I, yeah. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. that rubbed me the wrong way. Well, before we move on. So just as a general thought, what did you think of Adam driver's performance and how they, portrayed Kylo Ren's character in this film compared to episodes. Do you think it was better? I enjoyed it worse. I, I think it, it was just as good, if not if not better, only because of the fact that it, I, I really enjoyed seeing him struggle, um, you know, between 
when Ray, you know, it seemed like she was going to turn him. Um, and and you started to see that um, when they started doing that, that, that force time, uh, as it seems like we're going to call it. And it was really interesting seeing his his struggle as a character with oh well should I be should I join with her or should I should I remain loyal uh, to um, Snow? I for for I think I think they did a really good job in in terms of Kylo Ren of I think more than any of the other characters very clearly building on what they did in uh, the Force Awakens. I, I think it was a very natural and very good progression in terms of his character. I, I think Ray was a close second, but I think Kylo's like, if you watch those movies back to back, they flow the best. Uh, like his, you know, his performance and really that character flowed the best. I agree with bait. There's a lot of like he played, he, he did the conflicted, you know, touch back and forth, even in that initial space battle where he's going to isolate, you know, he's like got his thumb on the trigger and he's, he lets off at the last second. And then, Right as he's letting off, he has two wingmen like going and like swooping for the kill, you know that kind of thing. Um, it, he played that really, really well, and in some cases it was pretty subtle, and some it was you know a little bit more over the top. I thought the relationship between him and Snoke was interesting. Uh, you know that's that was fascinating. Um, the relationship between him and Hux became more comic relief versus competitive. And it was very competitive. They were basically on the same footing in the first movie, and in this one they weren't. Um, so I, I thought I thought I thought that progression worked pretty well. And actually, I, I kind of like how, how where he's going with it. And it makes me very interested to in see what's going to happen in the next movie because he's like, screw the Sith, screw the Jedi, screw the Resistance, screw the First Order. We'll burn everything and start over. That that I'm interested in seeing how that plays mm-hmm. out. Um, and and I, so I, I thought I thought they did. He did pretty well with it. Yeah, I actually really liked the scene where Snoke is talking to Kylo Ren. Has the helmet on. Snoke's like, take that stupid, like a child with a mask. Which is kind of how his character felt in Episode 7. He was just kind of angry, moody teenager who's trying to be like Grandpa, you know. And in this one, it felt like he actually took the mask off and he's like, he calmed down a little bit and he's like, okay, do my own thing. It felt like a good, like you said, a good transit. You know, it felt like it actually went somewhere and it wasn't just, I'm angry, like it was in Episode 7. You know, I actually read an uh, uh, article because there was actually like probably 20 different articles I saw come out about Ryan Johnson's opinion on this or that, or, you know, answers this or that, um, after the movie came out. And one of the things he said was that that was, uh, that was one of the more, uh, difficult decisions to make because, you know, at the end of the day, Star Wars, uh, you know, it, it sells a lot of toys and that's kind of a, a big thing for, for, for the franchise. And that mask is kind of like an iconic thing for, for the previous movie. Um, and you know, they're villain and, and then they, they went and they got rid of the mask, which is, you know, throwing a whole class of toys out the, out the, out the airlock there. (laughs) Um, and that was, that was actually something that, that came up in discussion specifically was, you know, we want to get his actual face so that we can have more, you know, good storytelling moments, good chance to show him actually acting. He's but, a pretty good actor, <laughs> but we have to get rid of the the you know. But we're gonna have to get rid of this toy to do it. <laughs> you know, I Zell, I got I got to jump in on this one. I, you're one. You're you're. It's a great point. I, does anybody else absolutely amazed that Disney was cool with all this? 
Like I uh, like a bit, yeah. I I think this bodes really real. I think this and and I I made a, a mental connection between this and Thor Ragnarok. Disney saying, "Hey man, let's go get some like good directors and then let them kind of like do their thing. Give them like a really wide lane to operate in, and then see how this see how things come out." That's <laughs> at least the last two offerings that Disney had has worked real well that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's it's working fairly well. I think that, now, uh, I I will say this, uh, and and this kind of going to Zell's point about like you know you got to make you know th- any decision you make in a in a thing like Star Wars has connections to like second, third, fourth order connections to to everything from other movies to properties, comic books, cartoon shows to you know toys, whatever Disneyland you know events and shit like that. Now, um, I I don't know how else to describe this, but. One of the things that was a little jarring, not, not again, I don't, I'm still in the mind of like, I'm not sure if this is good or bad, but it's definitely different. There's some jarring things in this movie where, you know, JJ Abrams basically put the, you know, kind of a big, let's all get back into the Star Wars sort of feel good homage story. It was good. I, I thought it was really solid. I kind of like Rogue One a little bit better, but I, I absolutely think for the, for today's generation, I thought Force Awakens was you know, spot on, right? But, Make no mistake, Ryan Johnson, like double minute, middle finger, you know, elbow from the top rope on a lot of the shit that J.J. Abrams built in that first movie. You know, what? You know, the mystery box, Ray's parents, gone. Kylo Ren, his mask is gone. You know, all kinds of stuff. Like you know, the big emotional moment at the end of the movie, you know, the five minutes of like helicopters swarm that little island around Ireland, which you see so walking up with a lightsaber and like reaches a lightsaber out and it like, held on that fucking shot for like a minute and a half. And he's like, eh, pfft, gone, threw it over his shoulder. There was a lot of stuff in this movie that he just like scooped up, crumpled up like tinfoil and threw over his shoulder based, you know, if you'd have seen the first one in this one, uh, I like, that's where I was amazed at this movie. I mean, it, it, some, some of it in a good way, some of it in a bad way. Uh, but that, that was just, I, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking through it as we're talking about it. Yeah, and then it kind of goes back to what I was saying more, where there were things that were surprising, but it's because, like you said, he just kind of took an existing plot line or what you thought was going to happen and just went, eh, we're not doing that at all. And so you're like, oh, holy shit, okay, <laughs> what's next, you know? And that happened a lot. Well, I mean, how, I mean, for the last two years, people have gone, have gone absolutely bonkers about who is Snoke and who's Ray's parents. Both those questions solved in maybe 15 seconds of screen time total. <laughs> Do you think that... Uh... Kylo Ren was not just giving her a line about her parents being nobodies, and he just I, wanted her to move on. I don't on. know. I, I think I actually think that that's probably true. I think that, that what he said was true. <laughs> it could be. I'm just. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm like, well, if Brian really Johnson important. was directing the next movie, it would be true. But he's not. <laughs> Um, so what happened after the island? I forget what. Did they go back well, to the ship? And that was the yeah. So that's when they start yeah. doing the whole. That's that kicks off the Canto Bright thing, and you get we get introduced to Laura Dern as Admiral Holdo, which I really like that character. I I, I think this is one of those where um, it, it was reminiscent of um, of the you know of the Joker surviving through um, through uh, was it Dark Knight Returns or whatever it is. Uh, and with Heath Ledger, but Aaron Eckert's character getting killed. If it, it, this is one of the ones where it's just it's just how how things happen in time and space. But um, I think Ad- Admiral Holdo would have been an interesting character to carry on in the Leia role post this movie. 
Uh, she obviously, you know, we'll talk about how she doesn't survive, but um, I thought her character was really good. Then you really got, you really start to see like the pressure that the resistance is under. And I, I didn't really have an appreciation for like how small the resistance was. I actually had to do some backtracking because the first movie does not do a very good job of describing what the fuck is the resistance. I just assumed it was the new Republic military, but they were called the resistance and I couldn't understand what was going on. You actually need to read some of the, the uh, like the Canon hardbacks that came out that describe long story short, the, the Republic cut like 90% of its military made some kind of treaty with the old empire, which eventually morphed into the first order. Well, they no have no longer have a military. They're like Switzerland now. And Leia and a bunch of old hardline rebels were like, no, we need to get the band back together. And they went into first order space and they were fighting them there, which is why it was called the resistance. Um, I didn't have an appreciation for how small they were until this movie though. There's like, that's it. That's all of them. You see all of them in the movie yeah, other than maybe a few outliers here and there. Um, but they're definitely in dire straits. They're, they're probably as close to the brink of get, of like getting wiped out as at any point in any star Wars movie I've seen um, down to, I think that, you know, only, only enough to fit on the millennium Falcon to actually live through the movie. Uh, but that was pretty good. I think the Adam Holdo character was good. Uh, you get into the, you know, that kind of that scene that was bridging the first and second act where uh, Bate alluded to the spacewalk scene, very Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I think there was about two moments in this movie where they could have given Carrie Fisher an incredibly beautiful send off, uh, but they didn't. And, and it, you know, obviously for reasons that we all understand, you, nobody knew that she was going to pass away you know, after the movie was effectively made. Um, and this was one of them. I thought it was very abrupt. It was like, wow, holy shit, she's gone. Then I, I thought, you know, this would be a good way to, you know, just have that brief, beautiful moment reverse float in space kind of thing. Then she kind of opened her eyes and like force pulled her way in, which I, I was, was very, I, I don't know what to think about that. Like, um, I, I, I would have liked to seen her use the force in a much more, you know, in a different way, basically, maybe something like saving the fleet or something like that. But, um, it, you know, it is is what it is. She survived. Uh, they, they shot it beautifully, though. Thought it was really well done. Uh, but then you get to see basically the resistance fracturing inside, which kind of drives the Canto Bright story. Whereas Poe, Finn, and, and and his posse don't trust Admiral Holdo. Flashback: Poe's also been demoted by Leia for his aunt, his uh, his ill decisions in that first big space battle. He was successful, victorious, but a lot of people got killed and, he, and didn't need to. Uh, so again, kind of that theme of failure, it, it's very common. I don't know of anybody that actually succeeded at everything throughout this movie. Like nobody was like just on it, like dog on it throughout the entire movie. Um, so that's kind of where the resistance is at. And that's what kind of is starting this wild, very contrived method of trying to go to the casino planet. Uh, I thought the little brief scene with Maz Kanata where they had her on, you know, like, FaceTime or whatever was pretty good, but so what was the point? Like they needed, they needed a. They everybody liked the character. They wanted to at least flash her in there, but that was basically the plot device to get them to that casino planet. I I think that's all it was. Okay. They could have used her in a lot of different ways. I think they could have contacted her to like, hey, can you get us a safe house? Or hey, like you know, who can come help us? Or I mean, they could. There's any number of ways they could have had her involved in that. Uh, But that whole like bait, I'll let you take this one, but that whole like going to space Monte Carlo shit was so. I, I like I like the setting. I thought it was really cool. I thought there was some neat stuff about it, but I I just 
It just it was not needed. No, it, it really wasn't. It, it could have been done so much better in, in so many different ways and still have kept the setting. Uh, or the, yeah, the, the setting of, of Space Monte Carlo. Um, I will say, I mean, you know, there were parts of that whole sequence that I enjoyed. I think everybody's favorite part of that sequence was uh, was the the little drunk midget that was, like, trying to put his coins into uh, BB-8 or whatever the hell his name is because he thought he was a slot machine. Uh, which actually, yeah, and, it, you know, it did come back to be useful because um, I had totally forgotten about that coins. Or about those coins. So when they're trying to break out, um, BB-88 actually shoots the coins at one, at like one of the, the prison guards or whatever. Um, so you know that that was cool or whatever. Um, but like as a whole, the whole like kind of save the animals. We're so oppressed on this planet. Uh, was kind of was kind of dumb. Um, and then like. Um, what I did think what I did think was interesting though, and it was a really interesting concept that I hadn't thought about. Arms dealers, right? So they established this idea that there are that there are private companies who are building weapons for both the um, the the first order and the and the resistance, which I don't think had really been explored um, or hadn't even at least brought up in um, in this movie or I don't think in any other Star Wars movie. Um, not in any of the movies, but it's you know not that theme specifically, but a lot of those different corporations have been touched on, like. Um... The, the kind of now I don't know if this has gone the way of the the Star Wars Legends sort of non-canon stuff, but the X-wing, the original plans of the X-wing, that was going to com- that was supposed to be competing or one of the things the Empire was looking at to replace some of their ships. When it was, uh, you remember because they went from like what they had during the Clone Wars to eventually they had the Tie Fighters and shit. Well. The um, oh, okay. the rebels like stole like they like got in with the uh, uh, the manufacturer. I can't remember the name of the corporation or whatever. And the XCOM Corporation and, or not XCOM. Uh, God, whatever it is, they got in with them and then and then somehow that became their ship. And then uh, I remember Cyanar Fleet Systems. They're the ones who make all the tie stuff. Um, and, and there's all these different like sort of corporations. It's all part of like kind of the Star Wars background lore, but it was never discussed in the way that they discussed it in the movie which i thought was uh you know uh, you know every every movie nowadays is going to have some sort of like you know political opine on something uh-huh. going on in the world and I, th- I think this was their their shot at it and it, and by the way for the record for somebody who's in this business it's it, it that is kind of how it works oh sure um i liked it though um like i said i, I thought it was a really interesting topic um and then, you know, okay, so moving through, so we go in the casino, and then we're like, oh my god, we don't fit, and where is the guy we're looking for, and then we're gonna get thrown in jail. Um, that, that whole, like, he just pops out, right, and they're like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna associate with you, or whatever, and so he goes his own way, uh, and then they get out, because BB-8 lets them out? Somebody help me out here. No, well, no, DJ got him out. He, 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 okay, the okay. They were all in the he same just cell. like opened the door and left. Yeah, and then much. they just kind of followed him out. But then they went a different way, and then BB-8 saved them when the guards yeah. showed up. That I think my issue with that whole sequence is that, like, what you were touching on, baby, like the arms dealer selling to both sides. That whole sequence was just for that one like moment where they're on the ship, like going back, and that's interesting. But it's like they spent all of that time uh-huh. just to kind of make that point, and there was this like complete lack of urgency like okay our people are being shot at they're going to die we have to hurry and they're like oh look how beautiful this place is this is great yeah. let's have a big talk about the social 
economic differences in classes. Mm. I'm like, you should be sprinting through wherever you are to find this guy. And they're just like, oh, look at the races. That's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whole thing just felt silly to make that one point, which was an interesting point and one that they, I think, wanted to kind of bring up to point out that the difference between good and evil is kind of relative because in the end, they're all just kind of murdering each other. Right. Um, which is a fair point. That's a major theme of the film. But like they dedicated so much time just to make that point. It just felt like, like too much of an investment they were trying to say. I, I felt like it drug on. It felt like they also spent a, a, a large chunk of time trying to free the the Campbell horses. Yeah. And you totally didn't need to. Like, okay, pop a lock for a thing if it's convenient or whatever, and then your thing goes and it's running through the, the fucking city, sure, whatever. And then, you know, as you're being chased by security, you know, just going to casually take the saddle off or let, let them all go one way. And then you're the one you're riding, you're going to take the saddle off and you'll be like, oh, my God, it was all worth it. No, it fucking wasn't worth it to say one stupid thing. You have other things to do. Go do those things. And then when you save the galaxy, that's when you drop your, oh, my God, it was all worth it. Yeah, that like I actually thought the character of Rose was pretty solid. That was definitely your, you know, that was the. Kind of the you know, nope, not taking a shot here. Like the everyman of the of the resistance, you know, that was the mm-hmm. you know not designed to be a hero character. I, I thought that was I, I you know I thought she was fine. I thought her interactions with Finn were interesting up until the very end, and it got kind of weird. Um, stupid. But it's I, the, the whole concept of that that scene. Like aside from the fact that it just didn't work, I think they're, they if they wanted to force a way to get down to that planet and do something, they, they should have had some other reason to do it or, or something more realistic. But I totally agree. Zero sense of urgency. I actually thought Benicio Del Toro was really good. I, I thought his character was very interesting. It was, and it was, and you kind of thought he was going to like pull a Han or a Lando and you know, like save him in the end or something. He's like, no, he just fucked right yeah, off. He's like, it's like, I'm out. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. I'm out. They paid me more. I, I actually kind of like that, but again, that was that. That was another one of those little shot in the eyes of like, this is not how Star Wars movies go, <laughs> you know. Like the, the the lovable rogue always well, somehow they, helps him in the end. <laughs> and they teased it too with the whole thing that you know he he had that uh, what he needed as a collateral, like a down payment. And then he ended up just giving it back, being like, eh, "That's all I needed." You know, I just needed it for something, and you know, he hands it back. You think, "Oh, he's actually kind of a good guy," and then, nope, nope. Well, I think it was he's a decent person, but if his ass is on the line, he's like, I don't know you. <laughs> like, I'll sell out the first chance I get if it means saving my own hide, which he did. And that was the end of it. Um, I guess as you'll probably see him again in some form, drop that care. Like, like you said, it's very well acted. I'd, I'd hate to see that be the end of it. Yeah, it was not a not a typical hero plot line with. Him. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jay. No, I was just thinking that that, that was uh, I, I think a lot of that. I don't know how long they spent on that planet, but that was a lot of screen time that could have been adjusted or changed to do something different. Um, that that I think would have would have paid off and maybe better form at some point, uh, you know, down down the road in the movie. But when they got back, the whole like, let me get onto the ship thing. So for, we didn't actually talk about this, but they are being chased by Snoke's actual flagship, like this like El Gigante sized like ultra super mega star destroyer looking thing. This basically looks like a big, not a, not necessarily a big pizza, pizza wedge, but more like a big, uh, like isosceles triangle kind of looking fucking thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge. It's almost like, it's almost looks like a stealth bomber, but it's, you know, like 17 miles wide or whatever. Um, but the whole idea that they could just fly right in and like land on that thing. 
and then go bopping about their merry way through the ship was a little a little sketchy. I got it. They have Finn who like knows security protocols, and the other guy can hack into systems. So I I, I was kind of buying it. Um, it was you know, and for the record. It ended about like how I thought it would. They were gonna get. They all got rolled up pretty quick. They couldn't. They couldn't actually do anything to stop really anything. I mean, it was ultimately a pointless, pointless endeavor. Um, and then you got the return of Phasma, who, again, for all the buildup for her, like not much to show for it. One one fight scene that was kind of like four minutes long, and then oh, she fell to her death. But did she? And that was the end of it. I kind of have the feeling that in real life, like Gwendolyn Christie probably kick John Boyega's ass, but I'm just, just throwing that out there. I didn't like, well, I shouldn't say I didn't like it. It, it was odd. Like, I get the whole, okay, we're going to have Poe do something else. You know, he's going to fight something. Um, but, like, and this got me thinking, you know, okay, in six, six? I think it was six. Uh, when yeah, it was. So when Luke is dragging Vader off the Death Star and he's getting into the Imperial shuttle, right? Everybody else doesn't give a flying fuck about the fact that Luke Skywalker is dragging a, a known Luke Skywalker, a known um, uh, Imperial, like, you know, top of the list, kill this guy if you see him, right? It, nobody gives a fuck that he's dragging Darth Vader through the Death Star as it's getting ready to blow up, right? Everybody's just trying to get out. And in this one, when uh, Phasma confronts um, uh, fuck, Finn. Isn't, um, Finn, thank you, and there's like, oh my god, there's this battle. I that that seemed odd. Like it, it didn't seem like that. That's what she would be concerned about was trying to kill this guy. That she'd be more concerned about trying to get off the the um, star destroyer or, or whatever than trying to kill this one guy. Well, I think pretty much everybody else they they. They they jetted off, but I think Phasma wanted to just like make sure she put paid to his account. And, I, yeah, and like twenty stormtroopers. Well, that, I mean, yeah, but no, after the yeah, but they're still all trapped on the deck, and they're like they're all shooting at each other. I mean, it's kind of one of those where it's like sharks or lava kind of thing. You know, like, oh, dude, they were trapped. Man. They had they totally had one extra star destroyer or starship that they could have used to get off. I mean, clearly that's you know it was sitting there unharmed by damage from the exploding star destroyer she's got a vendetta and she's like I so in all these, bug in the system which I in these like 14 hours the new movie. in these like 14 hours they've got like four or five star destroyers just plugging along couldn't one of them have jumped off and jumped in front of them or something yes. like how big is the first order at this point because i, I know, know we killed star killer base and what was it then? Was it the entirety of what the First Order had on one planet? Because if that's what it was, then okay, that makes that makes sense, I guess, why they couldn't have any other ships warp uh, warp in front of the the like what was it, fifteen transports or ten transports or something that were leaving the the main Corvette or whatever, right? But if the First Order is only like you know comprised of Snoke's flagship and what two other starships? I, I think it's I think it's significantly bigger than that. I think that's just that's just the fleet that's there. It just happens to be, uh, you know, Snoke's Snoke's super ship yeah. or whatever. But it's a bit of a plot hole. I mean, they could have said, "Hey, we can't catch up to these ships. Could you send in like a couple real quick to mm-hmm. zip in and take, you know, for the plot, right?" But you got to allow some. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's it, trust me. There's there's some plot holes. Uh, you can find plot holes in just about any movie. This. 
so when you're doing something on this scale, there's going to be a million of them. The uh, uh, we'll get back to the Ray thing in a minute. I, I think it's probably about time. Like once they kind of at about this point in the movie, the uh, I, I thought one of the most awesome kind of scenes was uh, the uh, the Admiral Holdo fucking hyperspace through the Snoke starship scene. Oh, yeah. That was phenomenal. I thought I, again, this is that was really the that was the um, in retrospect, that's the one where it's like I thought all the way up until all the way up until the scene was actually happening that Holdo was that Leia was going to be like Holdo, get on the ships. I'm staying with with the with the cruiser and I'll fight them off thing. And she was going to like use the force to like you know fuck up the starships and stuff. I, I that would have been a phenomenal send off for Carrie Fisher. Yeah. That scene, uh, I, I know why they didn't, which is and, and again. You know, these are all in retrospect. She, you know, she had not passed away at this point. Uh, but they, but they needed that really emotional scene, uh, the reunion between her and Mark Hamill later. So, um, but that was phenomenal. Like Holdo just, you know, just, like spins the cruiser around, and that got me thinking. I'm like, I don't know what the rebels have been doing for like 40 years, but like, why? Do you get, yeah, like do they do that every time? Yeah, seriously. Oh my god, this like, put a, a couple droids on it and just fire a starship for like, yeah, a, okay. like turbo drive right through the middle of a death star that's another thing okay so we've got purple hair whatever the fuck her name was on the ship and they're making a big deal about leaving her behind you've got it you have got to have some mouse droid or some completely useless droid that can pilot the ship right there was no reason for her to die was there when you couldn't put a droid on the ship other than my story mm-hmm the thing is, Jay, it's funny, you, you mentioned before when they were talking about the tracking that you thought they were a traitor. I believed up until, like, real close to that scene that Holdo was a traitor and was basically just kind of plugging along through space slowly to try to make it appear like, you know, that they were trying to run away and then that the whole point is to eventually let them get caught and she gets saved or whatever. But yeah. uh, that, that, She was my leading candidate initially, yeah. too. Because <laughs> like, like, Poe's action like leads you to believe that, oh, she's the traitor. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah by the way, we totally blew right past this. Like, Poe literally leads a mutiny. <laughs> they're, <laughs> like, they're, like, literally shooting at each like, like, the good guys, quote-unquote, are shooting at each other on a, on a ship. Well, that was very much why they needed Holdo as a character, because, it, like, they need... If, if, Leia was commanding the thing and told you we're going to do this, and then he's like, no, that's a bad idea. You would assume that Poe Dameron's wrong. But by introducing, like, a random stranger who could seem like they're wrong, you know, it, it kind of cast her as the enemy, and you thought Poe Dameron was totally on board with doing the right thing until Leia wakes up and then just, like, oh, look, you're awake! Yeah, I shot you. Yeah, it, well, and the other thing is, I, it, what was interesting is it's very clear that Poe and Leia, like, like effectively, Poe grew up in the rebellion. His parents were in the original rebellion. Um, in fact, his his mom was an A wing pilot that flew with Luke Skywalker several times or whatever the hell. But he 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 basically grew up with Leia in his life for probably as long as he could remember. So he, the odds of him, if she said no, we're not going to do that, like or whatever, he's he probably wouldn't have said shit. You know, he, it wasn't even that, that you could. In, I think you're right, Zell. By the way, I, I don't think it was. It wasn't just that you would introduce, you, you know, a foul, a potentially fallible character. I just don't think that there was anything in Poe's character that had been set up that would allow him to have basically committed like full blown mutiny against Leia. 
but yeah, I think that 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 whole arc was was interesting, and I completely fell for what they were trying to push down that oh this this Holo character is a traitor and you know, Poe totally in the right. You're like actually no, he's just being an asshole. He had a plan all for some reason didn't communicate to anyone, but fine. Um, so that that was interesting. But yeah, that that when she swings the thing around, I'm like shit, guys, you should have done that earlier. Like you could have ended this thing like 14 hours ago if you just like got out in your lifeboats and just rammed the damn thing. Um, but the way that that was presented when she like warps and there's just like silence afterwards with the ship being like ripped in half, I was like, that was really cool. Like that was one of the best of the film. I yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, while all this has been going on, there's been several forced times between Ray and and uh, Kylo, and and I thought that again, those scenes are really well done. There's a lot of Jedi training montage stuff in there, a lot of drinking green milk out of like 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 space cows. Uh, yeah, space cows. Space, I don't yeah. know those things are. That that was I, I got a laugh out of that, but I was just like, again, there's no reason for him to be a douche. Um, so you, you kind of go through this whole whole scenario, and then the the biggest thing in there that I you know she does do the explore the dark side thing, which was I thought a little odd, kind of surrealist, but uh, it, it kind of mirrored a lot of the other Jedi training sort of vibes that you've seen in other places. Now he did very subtly, but interestingly change the concept of what the force was in terms of how he described it. It's like, it's not light. It's not dark. It's all the things in between. And that was a very subtle, but I think very, very significant and kind of a powerful shift. That's very different than how it's been described, you know, pr prior to this in pretty much any medium. Um, but I think because, that's, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because everybody, the way I understood it, at least in this movie, it may come across as that, like, everybody had the force and everybody could use the force. If I was understanding correctly, and I could have not been, whereas before it was like, oh no, okay. Only certain people have the force. No, I think, I think everything, I think they were describing how it's in everybody and it's connected through everybody, which they've, they've kind of said in other movies, but they didn't really describe like why somebody could or couldn't couldn't do it I, I think that the basic concept would be they're just some people that are for whatever reason much more in tune with it like you had uh Chirrut, uh Imway like the you know Donnie Yen's character from uh Rogue okay. One clearly uh, not go ahead you're forgetting the the prequel movies yeah I'm totally for, I'm, not for, not, I'm not forgetting <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm quite literally like I've excised a lot of that out of my memory uh at least that one part of it if they had, not, there's about three things that they could have edited out of all of the prequels, and they would have been 55 times more better. Jar Jar Binks and Midi Chlorians. If they'd have just not done those two things, prequel prequels would have been a lot better. <laughs> but uh, for, in anybody else's world, uh, I think there's just some people that are more, they have more access to it. So you had Donnie Yen's character, who was clearly not a Jedi, but he was obviously force sensitive in the last in in Rogue One, and then you've got you know the Jedi are just people that they happen to be hunting around and find and look for, whether it's some kind of weird blood chemistry or whatever, there's something that allows them to easy, you know, sense or tap into that quote unquote force a little bit better. So I thought that change was kind of neat and it was very subtle, but it also opened up a, like a lot of the different things you could do with it, do with the force. Um, but, you know, the, the most significant thing I think that happened was the, the two descriptions of like that seminal moment at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy when Kylo went his own way and Luke went his own way and you know into the, ended up with the uh, uh, you know, the Academy basically being burned down. Uh, so that was, which I thought was a really, again, that was one of those like probably a really well done story device where it's like 
nobody was really at fault. Was Luke Skywalker really going to kill his nephew? No, he wasn't. But did the nephew sure think he was? Yes, he did. You know that, and for some very obvious and right reasons. Um, I think, I think that's, uh, I think that was probably the most significant thing that came out. I know a lot of the internet storms also like, there's no way that Luke Skywalker would have went in there and schwacked him in the middle of the night with a, with a lightsaber. I, I tend to agree with that. I don't think that that would have happened. I think it I think that confrontation would have happened in a far more different way. Like look how he confronted Darth Vader. Look how he confronted everybody else. He would have walked right up to them in daylight in the open and tried to convince them of like, this is what I see is going wrong. And if you can't, if you're not going to change, we're going to do something about it. And, and you know, and then lightsabers would have been blazing at some point if, if they could have done it. But I, I cannot see a circumstance where Luke Skywalker would not have talked to him first and in the open, as opposed to like, you know, ninja assassin in the night with a lightsaber, you know, because it very clearly indicated that he like lit his lightsaber. And, and at that brief moment, he, he was con- contemplating just slicing him, you know, slicing him in half while he slept. That That is not something I could see Luke Skywalker doing. So b- before we kind of, we uh, kind of brush past um, uh, the, the Jedi training, whatever. One thing that, that I noticed uh, that I was totally expecting them to make a big deal out of uh, for her training, but they didn't was Luke's fucking X-Wing is on that island in the water. I totally yep. expected her to pull it's it out of the thing. That. Dude, oh, I was so disappointed I, when she pulled it out of the water. All the way up until the end, that 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 he was going to recreate the Yoda scene, and that's how yes, he was going to get off yes. the planet and kick everybody's ass. Yep, that's exactly like, what I expected, but it didn't. I was disappointed. This, and, oh, oh my god! Now I'm just like the, the only thing that struck me when you said that was like, you, you ever seen No Country for Old Men? Oh, yeah, of course. Who has? Okay, yeah. so the. The best and the worst thing about that movie is you want this titanic showdown between Tommy Lee Jones and Javier Bardem. All the way mm-hmm. through the movie, you are waiting for this like neo-Western show- showdown with those two, and it never happens. That's exactly what – now that I think about it, that's exactly what I felt like at the end of this fucking movie. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> On so many points, you're like, oh, it's going to be great. End credits? What? What happened? Yeah, exactly. Well, and then like, okay, so we brought up Yoda. When Yoda came in, I was like, "Oh my God, it's Yoda!" Okay, and and it was great. Every bit that they had with Yoda, with uh, with Ghost Yoda, was great. I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, it, I agree the with that. character looked really good. Um, <laughs> and my did, favorite did part. Like so- Sorry, did you like that they did the puppet instead of the? Oh, I did. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, that's thought, awesome. I thought that was sorry. Like, that's what they bring Yoda back and they're making a big deal. Luke's making a big deal about the fucking Jedi manuals and the manuals and everything that you need to know is in the books. You just got to read the books, right? Well, and then uh, they go to you know where the books are being kept and uh, and he's like, and then Yoda comes up and it's like, oh my god, and they're talking about you know training and then. Uh, and then Yoda just fucking burns the shit down that has the the ancient Jedi uh, uh, books. And while he's while he's sitting there watching it burn, he's sitting on like a branch or something. And his little his little Yoda legs are swinging as he's cackle as he's cackling. It was great. Loved it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. And and again, clearly foreshadows a lot of stuff. He's like, she has everything she needs to know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you see the books later. She- she stole them. Yeah, she's yeah, like, she fucked out with the book. Yeah, she's like, screw no, you, I'm just taking I, these. I th- I thought that was pretty cool when he called him Young Skywalker, which was kind of comical, <laughs> and and that was that was the moment that I think it didn't save the movie for me because I was already on board with the movie. You know, like I said, you know, some 
odd things aside, but I think the way that Yoda described that, that little probably like three or four minutes of screen time, that put a lot of the movie in context. I think you, you could make a case that that was like Ryan Johnson's director, director like monologue sort of describing, this is what this movie is about, but he did it you know, five, five, sixths of, of the way all the way through the end of the movie after you've already been like, what the fuck? Like multiple times. So I, I thought that was a neat, again, a neat device. I, I, I like Ryan Johnson as a director a lot and, a, and as a storyteller. Um, but you, you have to kind of go in, you know, so to speak with your eyes wide open, knowing what kind of movie you're going to get when you get him in there. Um, so I thought that was really well done. Uh, yeah, I totally didn't mean to gloss over that. That was like a really, really legit part. And it was pretty yeah. cool because he basically said, hey, no, the Jedi, like even Yoda was like, we need to move past all these things. The Jedi, we are the reason that, that you know, the galaxy went up Everything in flames. Fucked, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like we couldn't we we couldn't see the problems, you know, that he's like nobody is like the Sith weren't right. You know, that we weren't right. No, you know, and that again, it's setting up a lot of these things that you see in the movies or in, throughout the, the theme of the movie. So, you know, all, all that being said, you know, she, her and Chewie and R2, they, they screw off back to, in, in their, their big plan to like put her in a little skate, you know, space casket and shoot her over to, to Kylo Ren's ship uh, for their little face to face to face reunion. Um, the, the only thing in there that I thought was other, other than that was, uh, that one scene between Luke and R2 was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and apparently that was the reason that R2 was in that movie. It was on the Millennium Falcon with Ray and, uh, and Chewie. Basically, Ryan Johnson asked J.J. Abrams to rewrite a little bit of the, the last couple minutes of, of Force Awakens so that he could make sure that R2 was on the ship. He, that was his – basically every director, they, that was kind of – it's kind of a tradition. Hey, can you do me a solid to do one or two of these things so you, you could set up this part of my movie? And they they're, have you know, generally done everything that the other directors ask. And really, apparently, the, about the only thing that uh, Ryan Johnson asked for is please make sure that R2-D2 is on the Falcon when they when they arrive at Luke's planet. But that scene was really cool, uh, which plays back the little original uh, original holo. And he's like, ah, that's a low blow. <laughs> that, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And it also still maintains that R2-D2 and C-3PO are still the only characters that have appeared in every single Star Wars. Um, oh, except for yeah. one. But they, they have been in one through eight at this point, and I'm sure they'll pop in at least once. It should mm-hmm. be good. So moving along from that, so Rey makes her way back to Snoke's ship, basically. And that kind of leads up to her being captured by Kylo Ren, and he takes her to Snoke. And so what would you guys think of that scene and how that played out? Because that one kind of made me went, oh, shit. Like, I was not expecting what unfolded there so what do you think of basically snow getting sliced in half randomly yeah i don't think anybody was expecting that because they built him up so much in the previous movie i feel like to be like the the, the fucking boogeyman right so i thought that was totally going to extend over to nine um kind of like emperor palpatine did but nah it's just it's darth maul Sorry. i it, this basically so effectively this movie was was like a combination of empire strikes back and return of the jedi if you think about it like they they had a fairly clean closure at the end of this movie. <laughs> you, you, you you like I love that for two years everybody's like who is Snoke? Oh my god! Yeah, now fuck you, Dunzo. <laughs> well, and I, it's like you, you, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, you, you said that, that the movie kind of ends in like this nice tied up bow, and then 
you'll walk out of the theater thinking, well, fuck, everything's tied up now. What are we going to do in nine? Well, I think it's going to, they push on a lot throughout the entire, I think Hylo Ren says it more explicitly, the experiences it has is also where it's like, this whole light and dark thing work, you need to kind of find the middle ground, and I think in that scene when, um, obviously, Kylo Ren kills Snoke, and then her, him and, and Ray fend off the Royal Guard there, um, and they have that conversation where they're like, I said earlier, Jay, Kylo Ren, you know, we just have to, all of this is, is not working, we have to just burn it all, start over, um, and I think if he had left it at that, Ray may have gone for that when he, well, then you and I can rule together. And she's like, eh, I don't know about the whole ruling thing. Like, that's not, I don't really want that kind of a world to live in. Um, so you have kind of both of them meeting in the middle. I think this, the light and the dark is not the, to find the middle ground that's going to work for everyone. You still kind of have this opposing theory of how that should be done. And the ninth film is very much about, it's going to be Kylo Ren versus Ray coming to, to blows basically about how they need to move forward. Um, but obviously they kind of agree on this you know, Sith Jedi dark light. It's not going to, it's not going to cut it. We have to figure out the middle. Unfortunately, they didn't quite come together at that particular scene. And then that's what ultimately split them very far apart. So they're going to build a Force seizure academy in nine. I'm going to call it right here. A what? We're gonna build like a you know the, the, like a fucking force user school, man. Nine. That's what's for, gonna happen. For who? Like, for all, all force users, man. Everybody. You, I have no, gonna, What are you talking bri- about? They're gonna bridge the gap. That's what's gonna happen. He's saying they're gonna make like. Who's they even, though? Like the Ray. Ray, Ray. Either Ray. either Ray, either Ray, or both of them. They're gonna like oh. band together. Uh, maybe. I. 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 I I don't know uh, at, at this point, but it will be interesting to see what they where they go with this. I think there's going to have to be a time jump in the next movie, like to allow the like to to buy J.J. Abrams some maneuver space. Basically, he they're going to have to have like you know five years in the future or whatever it, because this movie like effectively started like the day after mm-hmm. you know the Force Awakens happened. You know, like from a timeline perspective, I think they need to they need to buy some separation. You know, which will allow, you know, like, hey, you know, the the resistance has grown and this, that and the other. And, and you've got to reestablish some things uh, you just sort of allow a movie to happen. Uh, but, yeah, I I do think that um, I, I don't know if Snoke was like a big MacGuffin or whatever, but it was interesting when Snoke's doing the whole like card trick reading, reading your like, you know, this is who you are and this is what you're about. And he's like going on and on and it was interesting because he was totally fooled by ben solo slash kylo ren i love which i thought was really good the way that happened is like you're resolute he's he knows what he wants now and he just assumed that it was yeah he he's on my side now what he didn't realize is that that ray had successfully if not turned him turned him away from him which i thought was really cool he should have felt that then no i don't think so well See, I, I totally thought he should have, because I, that's such a big. Because I mean, if if you're looking at it, and at least this is just how I think, if you're reading it in terms of of, of waves, let's say, because I, I think it'll be it'll be a good visualization, and the waves change right from being this static, let's say, dark side wave, and that kind of changes or it 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 varies slightly after reading it for so long, I feel like you would be able to detect something like that. I don't, I don't think he changed from being on the dark side. I think he, I think his intent changed. Like, so he went from being like light, dark, conflicted all over the place to, I know exactly what I'm doing now. And he's basically hmm. doing everything that, everything that Snoke wants him to do at that point, 
And so from Snoke's mind, he's like, I got it all now. He's like, I, you know, my apprentice is doing what I want, which you know, he's my techniques for developing him have been effective. They brought me the force user who's going to lead me to Luke Skywalker. It's all peaches and roses. Classic problem that every Star Wars villain has is they get overconfident right before they get schwack. And, and he was full Monty over the top Vince McMahon, WWE overconfident, and he paid for it. <laughs> Well, and I think that it, there's a line where they talk about, like, reading people. They can't actually read their exact thoughts, just kind of what they're... And so what Ren was giving off was absolutely, I'm going to kill someone, they are my true enemy, I'm going to cut this person in half. And Snoke's like, yeah, do it, right, as he can pale through the side. So I think that, you know, like, like Jay was saying, the intent was was clear, but he didn't actually read the fine details because he couldn't actually get his head. I think he's also very focused on Ray at that point, too. Yeah. Um, so let... <laughs> Regicide occurs in a very interesting way. Uh, and then you have, oh, by the way, I thought the scene where Ray tried to, she like mimicked the Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi, where she reached her hand out and like tried to snatch up the, the lightsaber and like, like Snoke whip it around her head and hit her in the back of the head with it. I thought it was great, by the way. <laughs> like that whole, that whole scene in the throne room or that whole like kind of series in the throne room was fascinating. I thought it was really well done. Um, the, the fight at the end I thought was really good between all the Praetorian guards, which were uh, noticeably more threatening than the than the Emperor's like big red guard guys, by the way. Um, it just, like, I, I thought it was a good fight. It was pretty good, but I you didn't really get any big lightsaber payoff in this uh, in this movie, uh, which I kind of, it, it you know, it is a Star Wars movie. You kind of want that. Uh so I was a little disappointed in that, to be honest with you. You didn't really get like a real badass, you know, lightsaber throwdown. It was a good fight scene. I thought it was kind of neat. I thought it was really well choreographed. It showed how they fight differently than how they could fight. You know, then they became more powerful when they were fighting with each other. So I, th I thought it was good. I thought it was very good, but I, I kind of felt a little let down, you know, like no big, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get duel of the fates. You know, I, I was kind of hoping I would get some of that. Like I, that's, the, the two lightsaber fights that I kind of really judge things off of is um, is really the one from uh, the Phantom Menace that the the Darth Maul fight, which I thought was phenomenal. And believe it or not, I think one of my favorites is um, the um, the last the number th uh, episode three. Help me out. Uh, no, no, no. The the no. third one, Revenge of the Sith. Yes, that I I actually thought that final fight between Obi Wan and Anakin was really well done. Uh, previous to that, I would have said it would have been the uh, uh, Return of the Jedi uh, fight between Luke and Vader. But I really I used to I really liked that one. I thought it was really really well well acted as well as well well fought. But this one was good, but it just wasn't a big payoff lightsaber fight. Uh, and then you get that kind of the, the moment that Pokey alluded to the, oh, no, you didn't, you know, kind of moment. And then they sort of go their separate ways. And they had this big, which I thought was very visually indicative of the entire movie and, and perhaps foreshadowing what's going to happen in the next one. The big fight over Luke's, you know, the, the old, the old lightsaber, like, is it, is it going to the, you know, to Kylo? Is it going to Ray? Because he represents, you know, not just, you know, like the bloodline, but a lot of those old echoes to what was happening in the past. She's also kind of a, a new beginning as well. And in, in, in just going down her own path and they were just fighting over and this big explosion of, you know, now he's got pieces of the original lightsaber that was originally Anakin's lightsaber. Um, very symbolic. I thought, uh, so that was, that was kind of cool. 
And then flash forward, uh, unless you guys have anything else about the that scene, like we can start talking about the uh, salt planet. No, I think, I think we're good, salt planet, because that's really... Oh, well, go ahead, set the stage for us, brother. So, you know, they obviously, they, some of them, of the Resistance, gets onto the, the escape trance and makes it to a nearby planet where Rebel or Resistance base that's got, it's kind of a, a fortress bulkhead that they're thinking, okay, we can at least get in here, hold up, and, you know, we'll shut the door and we'll be good. And so they make it there, they all get in there, and, um, you know, Kylo Ren is basically commanding whatever whatever's left of the fat the First Order brought, and they, they land on the planet with some equipment, one of which is a big bunker buster it's it's going to cut through the door and they're basically going to be screwed and so the resistance is trying to get the call out to everyone in all their allies in the outer rim to see like hey can anyone come and help us and they get kind of a, a no response people receive the message just kind of say sorry we're not coming for you so you have kind of this big epic scene where you've got uh poe dameron and finn and a bunch of remaining pilots that are kind of piloting the you know, uh, Minmatar uh, ships held together with toothpicks that, and, that and duct tape. That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> the scene when they're so they're, they're flying these little cruisers in, like Poe like tries to like stomp on the gas and like kicks out like the bottom panel of the ship, and he can see the you know the ground below him. Um, that was pretty funny, and it kind of turns into this big you know things aren't going well, and Finn's going to try to sacrifice himself, and Rose comes out of nowhere and and knocks him out of the way, which probably would have been lethal anyways, but somehow he survives. That whole thing was weird with those two, and I don't know what you guys think of their whole romance moments. I, I thought it was weird. yeah. I uh, kind of I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it felt like really, and like I thought that like him and Ray were kind of a thing, but I guess the not. first half of the movie, the way that they acted, like the way he was acting about Ray, and then like that moment where they where they saw each other and hugged, you you would have assumed that they were going to hook up. I, I would think, but then the Rose thing kind of came totally out of left field, quite literally, by the way. <laughs> yeah. She, and I'm like, Oh, she's gone. That's terrible. Well, at least like, Oh, she's alive. That's good. <laughs> Cause th that whole thing was weird. But I, I think that the, the really important part here is obviously Luke shows up and kind of has his, his rather touching with Leia, which I thought was, and then obviously he goes out to confront Kylo Ren, who um, <laughs> directs the entire fleet of walkers to basically blow him away and you kind of have this crazy light show where they're pretty much bombarding the spot where Luke is standing for probably a good, like, three, four minutes. And just like, okay, this guy has some serious bad blood. You kind of see that that level of hatred on Kylo Ren's part where he, no, I want to make sure nothing left. Of, even uh, Hux is like, you think you got him? Like, this is, I mean, I know we're like evil and all, but this is kind of obsessive. Like, you need to chill the hell out, you know? Um, and that was kind of interesting. But it was a really good characterization of seeing how much that once... Kylo Ren sees Luke Skywalker. He's just like, he can't even control himself. He's like, just everything. Hit him with everything. Just want him gone. Wipe from him. Oh, yeah. I I, I thought that was a... It, it, I, I'm kind of with you guys. I, like, originally, I was like, ah, he's going to pull the X-Wing out, and he's going to swoop in there and start smoking, you know, smoking TIE fighters left and right. He's going to out-poe-poe, poe, and then you know, sling that thing onto the ground, hop out. And, and, you know, like he alluded to when he was talking, he was like, what do you think I'm going like, to go out and face the entire first order down with a laser sword? You know, I was like, it's coming. Here it is. And uh, yeah. So the first thing I noticed was, you know, he's obviously, he was a different Luke Skywalker. He was the younger, more kind of Ben Kenobi, old Ben Kenobi style, like well-kept Luke Skywalker. Um you know, which I, I was like, oh, this is fast. You know, I, I, I was totally buying it. I was like, no, he's, he's, he's like, 
and he'd like look the part, be a Jedi again, kind of thing. I, I thought that's what was going on for for a while, and um, again, great foreshadowing by Ryan Johnson. You know, with a lot of a lot of things. I mean, you know, newsflash: it was a Force ghost, not, or I mean, a Force projection, not a not really Luke Skywalker. But he has that moment with Leia. And in retrospect, I'm about a hundred percent sure that Leia knew that that wasn't that Luke was obviously not really there. I think she could feel that. But you know, they have their moment. Uh, he hands her the the faux die, you know, the Millennium Falcon dice, which I guarantee is going to be a plot device in the in the Han Solo movie. And um, when he walks out there, it, it was just really cool as he just walked right through the entire Resistance and like, holy shit, it's Luke Skywalker. He gives you know three PO the little like. Hey, what's up, man? You know, the little wink. Like, who gets not like three beer gets treated like trash, like on all these movies. And Luke kind of gave him like, hey, what's up? And just kind of walks right past him and uh, and does exactly what he says. He faces down the entire first order with a laser sword. The scene where like when the smoke clears and he kind of just brushes his shoulder off, like, well, is that all you got? I was dying. I was like, oh my yeah, God, how did he great. do this? And I'm still like, I'm like, I can't figure this out. I don't know what he was doing, you know. And uh, I should have. There, there's all these indicators that there was actually a force projection up to this point. But like, where did uh, he? How did he get in here in the first place? Yeah, well, the, I mean, but you're you're kind of buying the whole like, well, I, you know, I mean, he's a fucking Jedi. I mean, he's there's all this other stuff here, you know, it's going on. So you you're kind of buying that some of this stuff can happen. And and I would in my mind, I was like, hey, well, he was he was an OG rebel, so he he might have known about all about this base. Like, lay maybe he knows where the back door is, you know, or something like that. Um, so when Kylo comes down, I I thought that that quote unquote fight it reminded me stylistically a lot of the that uh, Star Wars Rebels uh, Obi Wan versus Darth Maul kind of that final battle they had on Tatooine very quiet very I mean it's all about posture and you know the emotion going on between them there's not a lot of lightsaber going on you know but I. It was really cool how he did it. He kind of did the little matrix slip out of the out from the first one. Still had him going, and then you, again, you keep noticing that Kylo Ren's his boots make tracks in the salt to expose the red red crystal crystal ground. And Luke does not; he leaves no footprints, like Legolas style. And then when he kind of runs him through, and he's like, you could just see the like, oh fuck, he's not here. <laughs> I lost my shit when the, in the movie theater when that happened. I was like, no. Because I I wanted that epic showdown with Luke, and then you kind of flash cut to him, you know, like floating in the lotus position, you know, like sweat coming off of him, projecting his mind across the galaxy and stuff. And it was, it, I, I'm not sure, I'm still not sure if I'm, you know, I love, I really enjoyed the movie a lot, but I'm just still not sure I'm okay with how they did all that with Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I mean the the way that they handled is is well, but I did like the effect of him not being there had on Kylo. Ren. You know, like Ren realizes like four seconds after the audience does that looks not there, and he's fucking kidding me. And he's it's kind of dawning on him. He's like, so I come out here, I fight him. He didn't even bother to show up to actually fight me in proper, so I just wasted my time and I failed and let everyone get away. So I basically completely botched this whole thing. And Luke's just like, yeah, see you later, kid, and just disappears. It's like it's the biggest troll in. Ren just loses shit. Like he got completely played at that point, and he beyond pissed. And he's just so so angry. Like I like that it, it it was there to basically just send him over the edge. Like you don't have any. You think you've got it all figured out, and you're still just a kid in a mask, pretty much. He kind of gets 
kind of gets trolled a bit by Luke. And I thought that was pretty yeah, I like that. See you around, kid. You know, I mean, you know he's going to be back as a Force ghost. They, I mean, they even said, hey, does, you know, nobody's ever really gone when he's talking to Leia about Han. Or really, they didn't actually say much, but there's a lot. There's a lot being said with no words in that scene. Yeah, and I mean, they, they, the fact that they bring Yoda back for that bit there, it's like, yeah, you're going to see him. He's going to he's gonna kind of end up being the Luke as to, to Rey as him. So, you know, it's not the last you're going to see. I'm sure that they'll, they'll have him come. Yeah, that, that, that whole bit at the end was interesting. The, the oh shit moment when you realize that he's not there. Wow, okay. I didn't expect him to actually die at the end there. Because like, I thought like, oh, he's, he's okay. He's just kind of tired out and then he just fades away. I was like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I guess he's, I, he's gone. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I, like, I, like I, I, I think that this movie, for, you know, I, I'll, I'll save that my, my thought about that when we wrap it up. But the, like, so as all this, all this kind of goes on, you know, the uh, you know, first order has got to pull out and, the resistance, they get away in the, in the Falcon, you know, Ray swoops in with Chewie and they like have to, you know, uncork some rocks, you know, to, to get them out of the back door, so to speak. And uh, they escape with, I, I think literally about 30 or 40 people. That's the entire resistance right now. And, uh, and Leia's like, no, no, this is going to live on. It's like, he, he, you know, what he did is, is legend, you know? And that was kind of what, you know, Skywalker had been saying to Ray was he's like, everybody thinks I am this person, but I'm not. And he, you know, one more time he did, he faced down the entire first order with a laser sword and you kind of get this, uh, not, not really a post credit scene, but this like last little stinger there at the end where you see one of the, the kids from, uh, the casino planet, uh, who's like, I guess one of the stable hands, you know, you know, the classic like urchin that gets beat down a lot and he's just caring for the animals kind of kid in a very subtle way. You, 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 you figure out that he's force sensitive, but he, him and some other kids are playing with like basically little action figures, almost like homemade little toys and stuff, recreating the scene where Luke Skywalker defeated the first order all by himself as, you know, like as you know, this powerful Jedi. And, uh, you know, that it was like symbolic of like, no, this legend has gone on. This will be the spark of, you know, that, that reignites, you know, the resistance of the rebellion. And, uh, you, you know, he like walks out and just kind of casually reaches his hand over to broom, you know, like just a couple feet away, just flips into his hand. He starts sweeping and uh, he's got like a little resistance ring or the rule. Actually, it's an old rebel ring uh, from from Rose, I think, when he helped him escape. And he he looks up into the into the sky and he kind of holds the broom up almost like it's a lightsaber slightly. And you, you you're like, you know, clearly he's not the last Jedi because that's what Luke was telling Kylie's like, I'm not the last Jedi. He's like, there, you know, there's others or you know, there's another or whatever. And you assume it's only kind of time. I was like, it's, he's talking about Ray. He's like, I don't know if he's talking about Ray. He could have been just talking about anybody that was out there. Um, yeah, fun fact, that kid that was that played that uh, the little Force-sensitive stable hand, that was the kid from Looper. That was the little kid from Looper that that whole movie was about. Yeah, the one that had like Jedi powers that was like tearing people apart and shit. Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, but that was, you know, kind of the... The flow of the movie, I, I realize we're all over the place on it, but I got to I got to say, I'm I'm not like there was a lot of a lot of stuff in this movie I really liked. The parts that I'm still very skeptical about is like, what does this mean for Star Wars? Because th- there's a couple ways I can see this. One, they it, there was either a single director's choice, or you know, perhaps this was seen as a way to totally break, you know, kind of break break the series into a different direction or the, the franchise in a different direction or whatever, but they, they've basically, they've ended the last 40 years of star Wars. That's over like effectively there is no more. 
Um, and, and I'm not real sure what I think about that yet. Like I realize, you know, like, what are you gonna do? Like bring, you know, you know, Mark Hamill's relatively young. I mean, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, but you could keep bringing that guy back or, you know, all these other, you know, you could, you could kind of make it go on and you're, you shift it, but they very abruptly changed azimuth on all of what star Wars is. And, you know, that I have known for like, you know, literally almost 40 years. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people on the internet are going bananas. It's maybe not so much that they needed to kind of, you know, like pass the torch and really, really sedge to like a whole different set of stories, but it was sort of the, the really kind of brutal way that they did it. And, you know, uh, and that's the part that I'm not, I'm not real sure about. So I, and so we kind of talked about earlier. I don't really know what they, what we're going to do in the next movie. I, I, I am not sure what the next star Wars movie is going to like, it's going to have to be a fairly self-contained movie. Cause like I said, they kind of wrapped a whole lot of shit up in this one. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. Yeah. I almost wonder if episode nine is we're going to wrap up whatever's left of this plot, but we're kind of setting what the lore is going to 10, 11, 12. Cause I mean, they've already, they've already said that we're doing another trilogy. It's not yeah, but I, this I, plot line, but we yeah, set it, the world. it's going to be parallel to it, right? Yeah. But they haven't really commented if it happens at the same time or if it is a different, th- like a different thread of plot that's happening after um, but it's not a continuation, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious where they're going to set the universe. If that's going to be a setup for episode 10. In well, terms well of I do know universe. Ryan Johnson is directing all through is right now scheduled to direct that trilogy. So oh, some, well. so somebody at Disney liked what he was doing. I guess. Yeah. Should. Yeah. We'll have to see. I mean, I think, I think it'll be real interesting to see what happens in episode nine and it's going to be, it's going to set the tone. I think moving forward to see how it's all going to, piece together moving forward I, I either try to take it in a different direction here and they'll probably continue with that thought process yeah anybody else got any thoughts on uh generally how that how it went in terms of uh your star wars experience well i think bait had to drop but you know overall i think it was it was good in better in some ways and worse in this, but overall an entertaining film i think it it brought a lot of interesting concepts to the table um it got rid of a lot of plot lines that i thought were going to be more fleshed out so Mixed feelings on that, but overall, it should they take it. Defining what a Star Wars film is moving forward is the uh, the job of episode. We'll see. Yeah, no, nah, I think you're. I think you're right. It was. Uh, it, it will definitely be. Uh, it'll def- definitely be interesting. I, I I've kind of stayed away from the uh, normal interwebs on this one, but I I think once the if you can you can only imagine the amount of like fanboy like nerd gasms that were going on for the last two years in between these two movies. I can like it probably must be a lot of really mind blowing shit going on, trying to figure out because you can make some big leaps in terms of like here's what's got to happen in you know in the in the last Jedi. You know you could make a lot of logical leaps that Ryan Johnson very very casually pissed all over. What there's I'm absolutely fascinated to see what the fan theories are that come out for whatever the you know episode nine is going to be. Just, just I think that's going to be entertaining to watch that one. Um, but other than that, I, I yeah, I think those those are my initial thoughts of the movie. Uh, I'll probably I'm definitely going to see it again at some point just to try to re- recalibrate my thoughts on it. But it's uh it, it was interesting. It was, it was definitely an event. Yep, I agree. Yep. Um, so you guys got anything else you want to, you want to touch on before we kind of roll this month? Well, one real quick thing, um, is, um, so I know that we had obviously restructure of layoffs and it kind of left the future of some of their franchises um, up in the air on how it was going to thing. So one part of that restructuring, was, 
uh, was that their Newcastle in London, or in London, but it's in, um, was going to be sold off, and uh, they hadn't really released any details on what the plans are for that. But the Newcastle office is Valkyrie VR dogfighting, and there's a lot of question like, well, shit, are you going to keep supporting the game? What's going on with it? Those devs are sold off. Well, it comes out that this week that Sumo Digital is actually the company that's purchasing Newcastle Studio. So all those people working there are at least most of them, their jobs are fantastic. Now the interesting part is that Sumo Digital, the company, is contracting Project Nova, FPS game set in verse. So you've got them working on Project Nova. You've also have them purchase Newcastle. It's interesting. So it, it in some ways it's it's good. Like I said, keep their their jobs. I laid off. It's when it happens. So it looks like 34 of the CP devs are basically uh, Sumo Digital employees, which is great. Now, there's no telling on how those assets will be utilized. There's really been no discussion about openly. I can imagine that the way he's currently structuring things, my guess is they might have a couple guys actually be proper that will be helping to support various IE Valkyrie included, and a lot of the support or development will be outsourced third-party companies. So I imagine if they're going to continue to support Valkyrie in some fashion, may that be active development, just kind of running, uh, it would probably make sense for to outsource some of that work to the Newcastle, which is now I Sumo Digital. So it'll be interesting to see how it works, but, you know, at the very least, so that's exciting. Yeah, and it's it's a big acquisition. It's 34 developers. The um, head of, like, the... the project lead for uh eve valkyrie which uh he goes by his ccp name was ccp digger he's still going to be the head of the studio under sumo um so this is really a, a you know whole acquisition of the whole studio presumably the game work that it's doing and i kind of have to wonder where's the where's the benefit to sumo you know where where it's going to work for them where it didn't work for ccp um I'm still very curious, and they still haven't really said whether or not, like, will Valkyrie wholly be managed by Sumo, or will it be similar to Nova, where they kind of collaborate on it, or what? Um, Just very interesting. Yeah, and and just as a clear reminder, when the studio was sold, the IP was sold, the IP still belongs to CC Games, it developed in that particular building, so it's not like Sumo bought Valkyrie, it's still a clear on how support is going to be handled for that game moving forward, but, you know, if I was CCP and I intended to have someone working on it in their capacity, it makes most sense to have the same, and it allows them to kind of manage their their risk and lower, because they can always turn a contract on it and how it's written, uh, rather than having to maintain a studio ongoing it may be a kind of a on again off again sort of thing and that's just kind of how contract can work rather than you know we don't want to pay all the time we just want to pay you sometimes and that's where outsourcing so um sumo digital is a keep an eye on those guys they're actually their portfolio is um but they've been working on a lot of stuff lately they're ones you should probably keep i think probably got some good stuff coming on the pipeline they don't just exclusive contract work a lot of stuff on them i would keep an eye on them um but uh, yeah Good to know for for anyone who plays Valkyrie, you might be. It's probably worth keeping an eye on, and we'll, that studio in particular, even though it's not the, it's obviously. We'll, we'll, and then one last quick thing I wanted to remind people: um, Monster World, Monster Hunter World is a game I'm looking forward to. I just want to touch on it real quick. If you want to give it a shot before the release date on January 26th, there is a final open beta test for four players. Uh, January 18th to 22nd. You do not need PS Plus to play this. You play it without the subscription uh, for free on that week there. So if you want to give it a shot, I do suggest it. It'll be fun. But keep an eye out on the 22nd. You can try that out. And I think that's about what we had. There was a few more topics, but obviously we're running really hours discussion. It's pretty lengthy. So we're going to shelve a couple for next week um, here. So unless you guys have anything else, I'd love for shout outs. Nah, sounds good. Sounds good. So uh, I guess for me, shout out. 
Uh, we'll go with, with Sumo Digital. Uh, it's interesting to kind of watch them. I've, I've played a couple of games they've worked on, and uh, I'm glad they were able to pick up that studio and kind of save the place so they could keep working and possibly getting the same stuff. They could to see that kind of work out for the better because acquisitions can always be messy, and it, Sumo's relationship was a better trans. Shout out to that. What about you, Zell? Uh, shout out to everything remotely tangentially involved in the Spectre meltdown processor vulnerability gate for everything going back 20 years because lol <laughs> interesting story we will talk about that and uh, what about you Jim? uh yeah i'm gonna th- i, I kind of gotta throw a shout out to uh to ryan johnson just for you know what you know making a star wars movie there's a lot of weight on the on a director and uh this is one of the this is one of the things whether you like this movie or not guy clearly had a vision for for uh for what he wanted to get done in the story he wanted to tell and he he needed I, I believe he helped write quite a bit of this uh or at least structure what he what the story was and you have some people that come and help write to include carrie fisher a couple times um but he had a, a storytelling vision that he wanted to get across and, and uh and i think he did you can agree or disagree with it uh but it, it was a it, it was definitely a, you know, I don't know if I want to call it a game-changing movie, but it, it was a an outstanding effort, and I think it really, he made some very bold and aggressive, uh, brave decisions as a filmmaker. Uh, you, like, like I said, you can agree or not agree with him, but he made them. And then my secondary shout-out would be actually, uh, you know, to Disney, who allowed him to make these movies. And, and Disney, you would, you know, Mouse House is all about making safe, money-making choices. That's what you think. But this showed me a lot in terms of what they were willing to do. Uh, we kind of You kind of saw like maybe a little bit of hint of it with Thor Ragnarok and Taika Waititi. But this this showed me a lot that uh, they're interested in trying to make some, you know, some groundbreaking stuff, not just safe amusement park friendly choices. So those are my shout outs for this week. All right, sounds good, guys. Well, I think we had a really good Star Wars discussion. I see a little bit longer than I expected, but it was a good discussion. Nice breakdown to talk about because to get it all out, I think we've been waiting for. <laughs> I know I had for a couple of weeks to really talk about it because it was interesting stuff. You know, thanks for that discussion. Some CCP news and some upcoming betas, and we've got a bunch. I do hope you join us. And uh, yeah, evening out there. Good night, guys.